Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Hello and welcome to You News. I'm Carolina Sarasa and thank you for being with us today. With nearly 50,000 daily coronavirus cases in the U.S., state leaders announcing dramatic restrictions ahead of the upcoming holiday weekend. The scandal over Russia paying Taliban fighters to target U.S. soldiers is growing. The White House trying to explain whether the president knew about that plot. And Ghislaine Maxwell, a close associate of Jeffrey Epstein, has been arrested by the FBI. She's being accused of obtaining child sex partners for the former multimillionaire. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. And we began today with the sudden arrest of Ghislaine Maxwell in New Hampshire just this morning. She's the British socialite who was accused by many women of helping to find underage sex partners for Jeffrey Epstein. He killed himself in a federal detention center in New York last summer while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges. Accusations against Maxwell had until now never resulted in criminal charges. Maxwell has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing. And the U.S. reaching a record 50,000 cases of coronavirus in just one day. And that number could be shattered soon. Now, experts are warning that we are approaching critical levels in places like Texas, Florida and Arizona, as 37 states are now reporting a rise in cases. Lorraine Cáceres has the latest on the pandemic. The U.S. marking a new high, reporting more than 50,000 new coronavirus cases Wednesday. This pandemic is not disappearing. This pandemic must be disappeared. And it can be without a drug, without a vaccine, if you have leadership, governance, and individual responsibility. New coronavirus cases increased in at least 37 states over the past week. Dr. Anthony Fauci says it is not too late to turn the surge around. It does not have to be 100,000 cases a day. I use that number because I wanted to jolt people. If you leave the virus to its own devices, it will take off on you. Nearly 6,000 new coronavirus cases reported in California Wednesday. In response, California Governor Gavin Newsom announcing he's tightening restrictions, closing indoor businesses, including restaurants, bars, museums, movie theaters, and zoos within 19 counties, making up 72% of California's population. Newsom also asking residents to think twice about having family gatherings this holiday weekend. This is about keeping you safe, about keeping them safe, uh, your friends, neighbors, and family members. Texas, North Carolina, and Tennessee also reporting record high numbers of cases Wednesday. Texas adding almost 8,100 new cases. In Houston, the mayor fears hospitals could reach capacity by mid-July if people don't act soon to change the current trajectory. Unless the behavior changes and people will engage in uh, uh, social distancing and wear their masks and proper hygiene, they could reach a point where they are really at their limit. 
In South Florida, Jackson Health, the largest health system, canceling elective procedures. The mayor of Miami-Dade County making masks mandatory on Thursday. In Arizona, they're asking for 500 additional medical personnel to help deal with their dramatic surge, reporting their ICU beds at nearly 90% capacity. During a visit on Wednesday, the vice president promising federal help. The governor and I also spoke today uh, about two additional facilities that were already reviewed and developed by the Army Corps of Engineers, and the governor knows that we're prepared to stand those surge facilities up. Florida today breaking another record, reporting more than 10,000 cases. The vice president visiting Tampa today to meet with the governor there. Also in New York City, meanwhile, the mayor reporting, announcing that they will be opening schools up again in the fall, taking measures, distancing students, and maybe staggering even the schedules, as in Rockland County, where the outbreak began there. They're now issuing subpoenas for young party girls that are now related to a cluster of new cases in that area. That's all the information we have right now. Carolina, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that live report. And now let's go to Dr. Brad Dreyfus. He's an emergency room physician in Tucson, Arizona. He recently wrote an opinion piece in the New York Times titled, I am a healthcare worker. You need to know how close we are to breaking. In that, he describes the challenges faced by doctors and nurses on the front lines. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate Doctor, it. in that piece, you describe moving out for two months to protect your wife and your daughter from the virus. What has that been like for you? It's been challenging. I mean, we saw in New York what happened and we ended up having uh, healthcare workers housed in hotels there. We were able to actually put together an organization that HCW hosted to try and figure out how to house um, healthcare workers in not just hotels, but Airbnbs, et cetera. And so through the generosity of our community, I've been able to be housed um, and, and be separate from my family. It's, it's challenging, right? Like, I, I talk to my family on a daily basis. I see them for physically distanced meals and hikes and that kind of stuff on occasion. But it's, it, it, it's challenging, but it's important for us to be able to protect our families from us and protect us from our families who could get infected. We need to protect the workforce. As was noted in the previous segment, 500 people are being brought into Arizona right now for to help with the pandemic and help staff those ICU beds. We shouldn't need to have to do that if we put the if we put the pieces in place to actually house and so and support those healthcare workers. And just on that, doctor, Arizona is one of the states that reopened early and just yesterday alone, there were almost 5,000 cases. What are you seeing at your hospital? We're seeing full ICUs and patients staying on ventilators in the emergency department, which means we don't have room for patients in the emergency department who don't have COVID, who are not on ventilators, who are being seen for potentially a heart attack or having appendicitis or gallbladder attack or strokes and, and people wait or problems with their diabetes or high blood pressure. And so we're seeing very stressed staff who are being stretched pretty thin, um, who are just exhausted. We've been going at this since March um, and, and we haven't really been able to let our guard down so much. Um, we've fortunately been able to add beds, but we're still again having a challenging time finding uh, folks to staff those beds. Sounds like that's starting to change now. Um, but the question is for how long, how long 
can we have people coming in from the outside? We need to be really providing support uh, for our healthcare workers and their families emotionally and, and instrumentally so we can ensure there's the resilience of our healthcare workforce. I completely agree with you. Doctor, is there enough hospital capacity to treat the rising number of cases, not only in terms of beds, but staff, medications, and also protective equipment? Well, we're assured that we have enough protective equipment right now. Um, we're, we have a green, orange, red, or green, yellow, and red level, and we're in green right now. It's unclear to, I think, a lot of us what that means. Um, but I think more than anything, it's just how exhausted folks are. When you're holding someone's hand or multiple people's hands over the course of a shift who are dying, I mean, I heard last month that we intubated 70 people um, in one of our emergency departments. That's by far a record. Um, and these are folks who are, may never get to see their family again. Um, the fatality rates once people are intubated are exceptionally high. And we're doing more and more to try not to put people on ventilators um, and trying to have them um, just be on oxygen without having to breathe for them. And still, we're hitting 70. So it's, it's a pretty dire situation. We still, I don't think, have seen the peak. Um, we just had the masking order for the cities put in place less than a week or two ago. And so we're hoping to see a peak in, in the next week or two. But it really depends on the behavior of our population. Yeah, and just on that, doctor, going into the long weekend, what would you say to people who want to get together with friends and family who are not wearing a mask, at least? If you want to be patriotic, if you want America and North America, because we're a global community, we're a regional community, if you want us to be successful and have a healthy population and have local businesses going, you need to mask up and physically distance. Do it for your country. It's not just about fireworks. It's about actually standing up for the community. And masking is absolutely one of the major parts of that. And so is physical distancing. Do it for your country. That is great. Thank you so much, Dr. Brad Dreyfus, emergency room physician in Tucson, Arizona. And thank you for everything you're doing every day. Thank you. And today we have new details in the growing Russia bounty scandal. A military official saying intelligence on a Russian plot to pay the Taliban to kill American forces in Afghanistan came to light thanks to special forces. Andrea Linares has the latest on how the White House is responding to those claims. The Trump administration scrambling to answer why the White House had the intelligence as far back as early last year that Russia was offering bounties to the Taliban to kill American forces. But the president, they claim, wasn't told about it. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien said Wednesday that the senior career CIA officer who briefs President Trump in person made the decision not to verbally brief him on intelligence about the alleged Russian scheme. She made that decision because she didn't have confidence in the intelligence that came up. Knowing the facts that I know now, I stand behind that call. But the concern over the intelligence was serious enough that it was briefed to top officials on the National Security Council, including former National Security Advisor John Bolton, who declined to comment. The president speaking to Fox Business on the matter. From what I hear, and I hear it pretty good, uh, the intelligence people 
didn't even, many of them didn't believe it happened at all. I think it's a hoax. We always act in the best interest of our troops, um, but this is unverified still at this very moment. However, his own national security team is not calling it a hoax, and neither are Republicans in Congress. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, though, says a Russian interference in the Middle Eastern nation is nothing new. The fact that the Russians are engaged in Afghanistan in a way that's adverse to the United States is nothing new. Pompeo added that members of Congress were also aware, which seems to call into question White House claims the president was not informed. Democrat Joe Biden criticized the commander-in-chief for not taking action on the accusations. It is a dereliction of duty if that's the case. And if he was briefed and nothing was done about this, that's a dereliction of duty. By Friday, it should become more clear what the intelligence agencies know. High-level intelligence leaders are briefing the Gang of Eight, which is made up of congressional leaders from both parties. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now the Supreme Court is denying Congress access to secret grand jury testimony from the Russia investigation conducted by Robert Mueller through the November election. The justices agreed on Thursday to hear the Trump administration's appeal of a lower court order for the material to be turned over to the Democratic-controlled House. The high court's action will keep the documents out of congressional hands, at least until the case is resolved, which is not likely to happen before 2021. And a new job report is out. U.S. employers added 4.8 million jobs in June. The gains, however, do not make up for the losses suffered in the last couple of months. Claudia Oceda has the latest from Washington, D.C. Claudia. Good afternoon, good news for the economy as more jobs were added in June and less people are unemployed. Let's look at the data. According to the Labor Department, the economy added 4.8 million jobs in June, causing the unemployment rate to go down to 11.1%. However, the data also shows that 1.4 million people filed unemployment claims last week, as many businesses in part of the south and the west of the country are shutting down businesses because of an increase in cases. While that's an improvement, America is still down to 16 million jobs since February. The COVID pandemic still has some industries like hospitality and tourism in a standstill. Today, the president took advantage of those numbers and praised the recovery. He held a briefing but didn't take questions and did not wear a mask. Let's listen. This is the largest monthly jobs gain in the history of our country. The unemployment rate fell by more than two percentage points down to just about 11 percent. We're down to the 11 percent number. We started at a number very much higher than that. The president was bragging about jobs and downplaying coronavirus, even though cases are rising in most of the country and hospitalizations are on the rise in many places. Let's listen. We have some areas where we're putting out the flames or the fires, and that's working out well. We're working very closely with governors, and I think it's working out very well. I think you'll see that shortly. So, yes, more companies are hiring, but there are still 17 million people who lost their jobs during this pandemic and need to be rehired. Now back to you.
former vice president Joe Biden's campaign seems to be beating President Trump's re-election campaign in terms of fundraising. Biden's team says it raised more than $141 million just last month. Trump's campaign brought in more than $131 million. June marked the second month Biden's campaign raised money with the Democratic National Committee. That deal allows large donors to donate higher amounts. And Tuesday, a New York State Supreme Court judge temporarily blocked President Trump's niece from releasing a tell-all book. But by Wednesday, an appeals court overturned the restraining order. Mary Trump's book, titled Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Men, was said to be published on July 28th. Now, that publishing can continue. But the ruling on Wednesday leaves the temporary restraining order in place against Mary Trump herself. And in Texas, Army leaders at Fort Hood are holding today a press conference regarding the investigation into the case of Vanessa Guillen. In a press release issued on Wednesday, Fort Hood officials stated, due to time in service, Guillen was promoted to specialist effective July 1st. Although official confirmation has not yet been announced, family members said on Wednesday that they believe Vanessa's remains were found in a shallow grave along the Leon River near the military base. And the disappearance of Vanessa Guillen led many of her fellow soldiers to report that they had also been harassed by their superiors. Civil rights organization LULAC is now calling on Latinas not to enlist in the armed forces until they know they will be in a safe place. Here's Yanni Aponte with more. We all know nothing's going to happen, so we'd better keep quiet. In distress, this young U.S. Army soldier said she has repeatedly been sexually harassed by her military superiors. She said that during her several years of service, she has been harassed at least four times, and although she filed complaints on two occasions, nothing was done. The most recent case was when a sergeant placed a pill in her drink while they were with several colleagues. She noticed it and reported it to her superiors. Y pues, su respuesta fue, Pero te violó. His answer was, but did he rape you? And since my answer was no, and since I had no proof that he had put something in my drink, it didn't count and it was ignored. She said that on three other occasions, three sergeants improperly touched her and that one of them took her by the arm and pulled her towards him. These incidents happened while they were on duty, but she says nothing happened those times either. Today, she claims that the sad case of Vanessa Guillen gave her the courage to speak out. She believes she suffered the same sexual harassment that has become the norm in the military. I would tell them not to keep quiet about what's going on. With what's happening, do you think anyone's going to say anything? It's going to make us more afraid. The disappearance of Private Guillen also provoked a reaction from Latino organizations that are critical of the way the investigations have been conducted. When a 20-year-old soldier cannot be protected and safe in the largest military base in the United States, where she must be safer, that puts in danger all of our daughters that are in the Army. He added that after Vanessa's disappearance, military authorities allowed a lot of valuable time to pass, time that could have been important for the investigation. We are sending an alert to all Latino families not to let their daughters join the military until there is a guarantee of safety. Reported by Francisco Cobos, this is Gianni Aponte for U News.
with the hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen, dozens of women in the military are sharing their stories of sexual harassment and assault. One of them is Crystal Del Rios. Crystal says she was sexually assaulted while serving in the Navy five years ago. We talked via Skype about that incident in the Vanessa Guillen case. I began by asking Crystal about how she felt when she first learned about Vanessa's case. I related to it because when at first when it just said that she was missing, it made me sad. It obviously made me sad as another service woman. But whenever it came out to the sexual harassment that related to me so much, and then it hurt my heart when she said that she told her mom, because that's the first person I told was my mom. That's the only person that I told was my mom. And Crystal, how difficult was it for you to come to your mom and say, Mom, I have been a victim of assault? My mom felt hopeless because versus the Army, you're on a base, so you're on land. And I'm sure that's what the, that's the first reaction they thought of Vanessa's. I mean, a lot of people don't really like the military, so the first thing they do is run away. But when they realized that they were missing and she was going through that, I, was, I wasn't on a base I was on deployment, so I'm in, out in the middle of the seat. And when I emailed my mom, because that's the only thing we can do, we don't get phone service, I told my mom, this is what's happening. And she, all she could do was, I could only access the computer as many times as I could, and I told her every time I could, I'd cry in the shower and try to get me off as best as she could. And she couldn't do it, and they have i don't know about all bases but in the navy we have like a ship's family page and my mom blasted everybody like she said these are what your kids are doing this is what they're doing to my daughter and they blocked my mom off that page and the more my mom blasted them the, the worse i got treated i told my mom if she did not get me off that boat that i would jump off that boat and Crystal, I know this is impossible, but if you had a chance to speak to Vanessa, what would you like to tell her? Say it and say it and say it all over again. As much as you don't want to relive it, even if it's just harassment, even if it's just rape, even it doesn't matter. There's people that are still active that they don't want to come to it. There's people that give excuses. There's people who just say, oh, it's just the military culture. Stop it. More of you news after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And as Latin America struggles to contain the virus, Mexico announcing it has surpassed 230,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. The figure comes on the same day that Mexico City reopened some of its restaurants with up to 30 to 40 percent of their capacity. 
Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.